Hill, the Spirit of the Age, and the Golden Globes. What do all of these things have in common? Well, welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure, and today we are taking you on a most unfortunate adventure, because we're going on an adventure down to hell. And I say that satirically, but in all honesty, the topic that we're going to be discussing today is one which is very nasty, and it's one that should be mocked. It doesn't deserve serious um, contemplation because of how ridiculous it is. But at the same time, we've got to push back against it, and we've got to fortify ourselves so that we can stand up to the spirit of the age. And recently, the spirit of the age, it showed itself at the Golden Globes. And if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say spirit of the age, I'm talking about the belief system, which is dominating many aspects of our culture, particularly Hollywood, and it particularly dominates politics and many things that we find in the news media. It dominates just about everything we find, the companies that run social media. But it is not one that is of Christian <laughs> design. It is not Christ-like in its operation. But today we're going to be talking about how the spirit of the age, this belief system, showed itself at the Golden Globes. And thank you for joining us. We are Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And I am your host, Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. But there's one other with me here in the studio. Pastor Anthony Alegria. Now, Anthony is actually the one who put together some of this stuff. So I'm going to let him give a bit of the introduction to what we're talking about today. So as Dylan said, uh, the spirit of the age has shown itself at the, at the Golden Globes. Many people think that freedom can be found outside of religion. That if people were free uh, to be themselves, free from their God, that those people would live without any master and that they would be happy, good people. However, religion is necessary to the human condition. The question is not concerning whether or not to have faith, but what to have faith in, what is good, and who is your God. All right, so thank you, Anthony, for giving us that introduction. And for those of you out there in our audience, I really thank you for joining us. Send us your thoughts, your questions, comments. Please respond to us. And not everything works right on social media. I guess we're not terribly popular, and our certainly our thinking doesn't line up with the people who run these places. So please do reach out to us. You can send me an email at kingdomofthelogos at outlook.com. And today, we're basically taking a vow of poverty, Anthony and I. I think what we're going to talk about is going to solidify that we're only ever going to be places where there is not much money because what we're going to say is going to be vastly unpopular with the predominant spirit of this age. Shouldn't be the case, but it is historically true. We live in an era where, yes, Christ has come. His kingdom is being revealed, but we do not live in the new creation. And that being said, scripture tells us we must keep on guard for evil and sin. And we're here today to talk about some ridiculous amounts of sin, which have gone on out in the open. They've been publicly doing totally wicked stuff, and we got to talk about it. So let's talk about religion for a second, because that's really what we're talking about today, is that we've been sold a lie about religion. People my age, we grew up being told, you know, religion is something that is personal. And not everybody is religious. Not everybody has a religion. And it's best that people wait till they're like 20. So that way, when they're in public schools or maybe they're not even in a public school, but wherever they're at, if it's government influenced at all and there's government finances, um, even things like hospitals, they say, well, we don't need to have any religion there because it might be offensive to somebody, which is a lie. People have not been being offended by this. But the truth is we live in a world that sold us a lie, said that people did not need religion. But the what big lie in all of this is that people actually do need religion. Something is going to be your God. If you saw that Christian movie, which came out a few months ago, Overcomer, 
Um, I know I have a few criticisms of that movie, but it does a lot of things really well. Um, it should have really dove deep into the story about a girl and her estranged father. And the, the old man in the movie, he comes along and says, something is going to be the God of your life. And it is true. We live in a day and age where people think they live without God, but they've just found something else to be their God. People are going to have a belief system. Faith in Christ is different from the generic notion of religion. It's different from all the other false religions. And people are naturally religious. We've been sold a lie that says people are not naturally religious. It's something which is exclusive to a few people who choose to be religious. And that is a big, fat lie. People naturally find belief systems to live by. I have never met a person. I've met a lot of people who claim to be atheist. I've never met a person without a belief system. Anthony, have you ever met a person without a belief system? Definitely not. N no. Um, there's all sorts of people who uh, try to make some sort of argument for the good decisions that they make and other things like that, and that people can be good without God. But to be honest, I don't see how at the end of the day, if what you're doing is pleasing to you primarily, and that's your primary motivation, how you can say that you don't believe in some form of good, because pleasure must yep. be good yep. in that scenario. Something has to be the good, even yep. though... Yep. What we see with our eyes, material, these things can never tell us what is good. Only what we yeah. perceive to be God can tell us A what is good. A lot of these atheist people, they join organizations like PETA, and they go out and they protest things like Chick-fil-A, um, and they come along saying, you know, you're creating suffering, and they sincerely believe the purpose of life is to avoid suffering. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Michelle Williams at the Golden Globes, and this is a trip to crazy town. Um, there's a lot of crazy town going on in the churches. Um, I'm a Nazarene, obviously I'm a Nazarene pastor, we've said that a few times already. I know the United Methodist Church, they're going through a lot of crazy town right now. And I do want to remind us to have joy despite the craziness going on around us. And let's go ahead and show this clip, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, if you haven't seen this, it's, it's something which needs to be mocked and it's pretty wicked at the same time. Anthony, would you play the clip? Yep, uh, this is a, a shorter part and it is going to primarily show what she thinks is connected to the purpose of life. I've tried my very best to live a life of my own making, not just a series of events that happened to me, but one that I could stand back and look at and recognize my handwriting all over, sometimes messy and scrawling, sometimes careful and precise, but one that I had carved with my own hand, and I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's right to choose. And I thought we were going to go straight into Nestor on that. Um, well, I <laughs> slipped up. But following here is going to be go ahead and exactly play what clip. Michelle Williams did. Yeah. Blast you! If you want an argument that God's not just a clockmaker and sits back, when we were doing show prep for this, and Michelle Williams, she's sitting there saying, I couldn't be successful if it wasn't for my abortion, basically saying, I couldn't get all the joys of having all of your attention if I didn't kill someone to get here. Um, when we first put that clip in, in our program, in the computer and the software over there, by accident, it immediately played the clip of Nestor afterwards, that exact clip you just saw. And if you're not familiar with the movie, familiar with the movie, Nestor the Long Eared Christmas Donkey. It's an extremely theological film. It's very Christian. Um, the rancher that owns the donkey, 
who again, ranchers are a lot of times like parents for their animals. He owns, he's supposed to have this donkey in his care, but he hates it. It's in the way of his success. So he takes it and throws it out to die. And exactly what Michelle Williams does there with her child. Oh, blast you, child, you're in the way of my success. I'm going to throw you out and destroy you. It is Wickedness. pretty funny that um, the donkey also is un is is not only unwanted, but it's burdensome. Yeah. And to a lot of people, an unwanted child can be a great huge burden and she talks about that uh later on also yeah how great a burden a child is especially on women and what they're able to do and it's like well yeah i mean it's pretty burdensome trying to be a good person and at the very least not killing people who get in the way of what you want that can well, be considered a burden to yeah, some people what one of the the hallmarks of the spirit of the age this religion which is out there and again G.K. Chesterton, about 100 years ago, he's writing about the world, and I don't think he's really prophetic as much as he just is clearly seeing the world around him. He says, people are fighting. The intellectual people out there, the people who think they're educated, the people who run all the, the institutions that give us information, they think they're so smart, but they're actually fighting for a religion that doesn't yet have a name. And the spirit of the age is the name that I've given it. I didn't originate that. I've heard other people use it. Um, I know Steve Dace uses it quite a bit from time to time, but... So I didn't originate that one. But the spirit of the age is the name that I'm using to describe this religion that we're up against. And one of its hallmarks is that the purpose of life is to avoid suffering. And if the child is going to make you suffer, then you can kill it. And especially if you can say, well, it does it painlessly, even though it's not true. Um, if you can make that argument, suddenly you're justified because, well, you're missing suffering yourself. Christ tells us you're going to suffer. When Christ came off the cross as a dead body put in the tomb, that was not a pleasant moment. When Christ comes out of that tomb and he goes and commissions his disciples to go out in the world, go on their missionary journeys, when he commissions them with the great work, he knows this is not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of persecution. The purpose of life is not to avoid suffering. Um, Anthony, I know you've talked a lot about how this is religious. It's very religious. And to the point of how many religions throughout the history of the world have been similar. One of the things which is a hallmark of religion, and I'm saying this as a Christian, is the idea of a blood sacrifice. Um, abortion has really become one of the blood sacraments of the spirit of the age. You look historically, and we wonder in our minds, how in the world would the Israelites be sacrificing their babies to Molech? Why do they think that they're going to be better off killing their children for this? Um, you see people who willingly are human sacrifices in a lot of cultures. You see people being eaten alive with like the Maoris down in uh, New Zealand, and it doesn't make sense. But then you start looking at the world around us. You see people who want to mutilate themselves. You see people who want to um, kill their own offspring, and they do it, and they go out and say, well, this has enabled me to have a good life. And suddenly it starts to make sense. People have been sold on this lie for thousands of years. And I'm going to go on a limb and say more than thousands of years, however long um, humanity has had the breath of life given to us by God, people have bought into this nonsense. Anthony. It is uh, pretty crazy that you can – I think there's a lot of pretty good data that shows that people are very satis – they're much more satisfied and happy in life in a solid good family unit. unit. Yep. It's very fulfilling yep. for a lot of people to – um, be in a monogamous relationship and to have children in that relationship. And it is kind of hilarious how religious the belief is, is that in that your happiness and fulfillment is going to be found outside of that unit, which, I mean, in our own scriptures, it's pretty clearly portrayed that God designed us 
to be in those family units. But um, and that's a religious belief. It that's how it starts. That's how it started. Yeah. <laughs> that um, you, you, marriage is really a religious institution. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, this abortion and this idea that your freedom and fulfillment in life is going to come so long as you're willing to make the sacrifice is extraordinarily religious in a very contradictory sense to what yeah. Christianity is trying to say. It's very much opposite religion. And and to the point of what she considers the wonderful goal she has gotten, and again, they love to give themselves little pats on the back, um, is a Golden Globe Award, which, I mean, who knows what that is? Does anybody care? Nobody really cares about this. We go to watch movies, and we tolerate uh, the speeches and stuff that celebrities give us because they're able to entertain us from time to time. But nobody really cares about the Golden Globe Award. That doesn't mean much. And But if it's part of your belief system, it does. And well, to them, that is the good. Yeah. The good is going to be being uh, in complete control of your life. Yep. So that everyone can see your handwork and your handwriting see, you, all over it. You hit on something which I think is another one of the tenets. Um, they like to have the approval of others. Um, Satan doesn't necessarily need your approval, but he'll take it if he can get it. It's one of those things where you see Eve with the serpent in the garden, or you see Job uh, with the accuser, Satan, coming after him. Never do you see these diabolical accusations have the element inside them that says, why don't you go and worship the evil one or anything like that? They don't usually ask for that outright. Sometimes they do. You mean you see uh, Jesus out there in the wilderness and it'll come outright come to tempt God and, and man that way. But a lot of times it's just like, hey, just come over here and do a, little, do a little sin, a little bit of sin, and then maybe a little bit more. But to what we find here is people are religious. And we're going to get to another clip in a second, but Back to our main thesis that people are naturally religious. I know you wanted to bring up something, Anthony, that Karl Marx has wrote. And again, Karl Marx, everything that he has written, people act like this is wonderful. Everywhere it's implemented, it is miserable. It is not um, parallel to the gospel at all. Um, despicable things when you see people talk about how socialism is, is close to the New Testament. Nowhere does the New Testament say you need a coercive force of government to come micromanage and take your liberty away from you and take your agency away from you where it's making your decisions. Nowhere does the New Testament suggest that. When you see people sharing things, it is because they, out of conviction of God, are personally doing that, not because some government is coming to take things away from them and tell them how to do it. Um, Anthony, would you... Share what you had about Marx. Um, Marx says in his critique of Hegel's philosophy of right that the abolition of religion as the illusory happiness of the people is the demand for their real happiness. And this is an underlying idea that is really permeating in secular culture today. This idea sort of alluded to before that if you can be freed from religion, then you'll be truly happy. And here, Marx is saying, religion is a fake happiness. If you were to abolish it, you would have real happiness. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is that religiosity is necessary to the human condition. It's part of who we are. And there is no system of logic that, does, that can say anything without taking at least one leap of faith. And don't kid yourself. People like Karl Marx, Joseph Goebbels there with the Nazis. These people 
when they talked about religion, they say things like religion's the opiate of the masses. They hate Christianity is the truth of it, and they want to establish their own religion. And you see how Nazism works. You see how it worked in Soviet Russia. These people are extremely religious, the people who put together this propaganda. They want people to have a belief system that they control. Well, let's go ahead and go to the next clip if we can. I know my choices might look different than yours, but thank God or whomever you pray to that we live in a country founded on the principle that I am free to live by my faith and you are free to live by yours. Could you imagine for a second the name of the faith which protects abortion? We don't know. That, I don't think, to your point earlier, that there is a name no, there's to not that a faith. Name for it. But it is certain that it is, it is a faith. It, it is, is an act of faith to believe yeah. that it is good and righteous to uh, use your power to kill someone else whenever they get in your way. Yeah, and you look throughout the entire New Testament. Jesus, he loves the least of these. And this is something unmistakably true. Jesus knows the suffering of, of us. I'm always reminded of that last verse in Exodus chapter 2 where the Israelites have been suffering, they've been calling out, and that last statement you find there is that God hears the suffering of the Israelites and God knows. Um, the clip, Nestor, we played earlier, the mother, the actual one who has gives birth to the donkey, but yet she, um, well, she, she's still property of the rancher too. She doesn't really have the full agency to control that which she owns. She plays a little bit of like the the God character in there that she she dies so that her son can live. Um, even though he's hated by everything else in the world and she knows it's going to be difficult for him, she sacrifices herself for him. Jesus died for you. He died for me. He even died for people that hate their children. He died for Michelle Millens. He died for the most wicked people who have ever lived. We're all sinners. We all need redemption. And I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else, and I don't think Anthony is either. We are all sinners, and none of us are able to find salvation by ourselves. And we need to realize that people, they do look for belief systems in their life. And what's fascinating about her, and this is where the church needs to up our game. I opened up this program talking about how we've been sold a lie about religion. For years, the church has kind of held its hands and we've wrung them together. People have come to us and said, separation of church and state, you can't say anything here. Well, what does the Constitution actually say about that? Because she says, you know, thank, thank God I live in this country that has this. You know, the first amendment of the U.S. Constitution reads as follows. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free ex exercise thereof or bridging the freedom of speech to assemble, to petition the government, or for a redress of grievances. So one of the things you find there is that the government, it cannot establish religion and it cannot do anything that is going to make a law respecting an establishment of religion. But what is fascinating is throughout my lifetime, and I had people who did this in high school, high school teachers, some high school teachers who I respected greatly at the time, who claimed not to be Christian, they claimed more or less to be atheist or agnostic, and they would come, anytime Christian students would say stuff, they would slap you down and be like, separation of church and state, can't do that. They tried to make it where we couldn't have a prayer at graduation when I was uh, graduating. It, it, didn't pan out quite like they wanted it to, but they, they tried to say separation of church and state. You can't do it. People are offended. But what's ironic about this is they have been abusing this principle of separation of church and state in the sense that they don't really mean that 
they don't want there to be laws respecting an establishment of religion. It means they want to establish their face and force you to go along with it. We see things like recently with Hobby Lobby, the Little Sisters of the Poor. They took these nuns who had dedicated their life to ministry, dedicated their life to service of Christ Jesus, and they said, we want to have the government come in and force you to do our belief system because we believe in abortion and things like that. It's one of our sacraments, and you're going to be made to care about this, and you're going to bow down to it. For years, we as the church, you know, we talk about, you know, being a Bible thumper. And we have all these straw men about people coming and slapping people down with the Bible and making them feel bad. Haven't seen a lot of that happen in my life. I'm sure there's exceptions out there which pr prove kind of the general trend. But by and large, we don't see people being slapped around by Scripture. What we do see is people be slapped around by this separation of church and state where they are establishing a religion and they're having the state really enforce it. They have created a post-Christian world and they want the government to enforce it. If you believe that, you know, loving life, loving even your enemies is is good and you should not wish death on, on anyone, you shouldn't be killing your unborn children, you're not allowed in the public sphere because that might offend someone. And these people are outright liars too. She comes along and this is the Antichrist in action. If you know my philosophy of the Antichrist and what I've taught on it, the Antichrist is, I base this off of scripture, which I'll get to here in a second, is not just a single person, but it's a spirit that possesses people. Christ is the word of God, take on form. He is the logos, which is where we get our word logic. And he comes to bring purpose and meaning and you know a reasonable structure to the universe. The Antichrist is the use of language to make people believe things that sound true but really aren't. She talks about a woman's right to choose. That's not what this is about. You know, a woman's right to choose is to get up in the morning and do like, you know, Anthony and I, we just came in here. The right to choose is me saying, do you want to have coffee beforehand? Do I want to have a drink? Me coming in here and, and striking Anthony down, yes, that is a right to choose. But the true, but that's the medium it takes place on. That's kind of like the cup that you put the coffee in. The true action is the murder. Well, Anthony, free will isn't so-called any right to choose no like for instance you have the right to do things or not do things that will lead to you becoming pregnant yeah i have the right to um do things like uh i suppose have an equal opportunity for a job and things like that dylan just because he has free will does not have the right to choose to hit me unless i jeopardize his personal safety well then he has the right to protect well, as far as the constitution goes like i could go over there and do that and then we're going to be adjudicated and things go out that way abortion is not a right people talk about this you can read the constitution it tells you what the rights are and I, i've spent too much time treating this seriously because this is a unserious argument these people they're they're sitting around and I, I take for granted, if you're in our audience, you're probably somebody interested in critically thinking about Scripture. You're somebody who wants to move towards truth. Um, these people, they want to lower their amount of thinking to not even pre preschoolers would be um, insulted if I compared this to preschool thinking. These are people who are sitting around. They've got the little ball with the shapes in it, and they've got like a star or maybe a triangle, and they're trying to jam it in like a small circle and saying, it's the world's fault that this doesn't fit. And they want us to take them seriously. Now, this is, this is, they are deliberately lowering their IQ to sell stuff like this. And this, this really should be. Well, the problem um, is they're still pretending that it's all, at all reasonable. Because we've allowed them to. That, yeah. And that's, that's, as we've been saying, this isn't like a consequence of any reason. You can't start at some base facts yeah. and come to the conclusion that abortion is right. 
You can't come. You can't start with some base facts and come to the conclusion that abortion is wrong either. Those are statements of faith. There are to statements believe of faith. that abortion yep. is wrong yep. is to believe in the sanctity of human life. Yes. And then to proceed from there. To believe that abortion is okay is to believe primarily at its foundation that it is okay to kill those who are weaker than you in your way. Yep. Then, once you believe that on the basis of faith, because there's nothing reasonable that's going to suggest that that's okay look, it, or that it's wrong. It's, it's going to be something yeah. based on who your God is. And when your God is yourself, when your God is your hand on your life, as she said in the beginning of her speech, yeah. when that is what is what what is good and what you want to be glorified, those are the conclusions that you can come to. And especially when you say, well, the purpose of life is to avoid suffering, the, the fetus, it's a baby. Um, they won't say that, but when the fetus, it's not suffering, they tell themselves this, they lie about it not being a child. Um, well, or they so-called save it from the suffering of the world. Yeah, that's not an argument either. Um, really, really wicked stuff. But I, I brought up the Antichrist earlier, so let me share a few scriptures from you out of First John. First John uh, chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, it says, not, it says, excuse me, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and is now already in the world. Little children, you are from God. You have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So that being said, we should have joy. You know, this stuff used to really stress me out, especially when I saw it taking over everything from schools, hospital, things like HIPAA. Um, you see it taking over stuff, even being at some of the local, really religious started college, or not colleges, um, hospitals. Seeing all the stuff used to bother me, but God is bigger than all this stuff. Our God is bigger. We should not be discouraged by this. This antichrist spirit's been us with a long time. Jesus just right there describes it as a spirit. It takes possession of people. It is there. And to the point of religion, if you've seen the new Star Wars film, and small spoiler, the emperor is in it. The emperor sits there and he says, if you strike me down now, you will become me. A little bit of a play of what Obi-Wan says there in the, the original film. But these people, they thought they would strike religion down, but they became religious. And they did it under false gods. Maybe they're polytheistics where they've got their, their gods of politics over here. They've got their gods of, of the sexual revolution. They've got all the little different gods, and they have different moralities under each, um, you know, whatever chapel they're in at the time, kind of like the Rogans, Romans did when they were in different temples. They, they do stuff like this, but they became the thing they thought they were getting rid of. Anthony? Well, sometimes, I mean, I can think of at least three gods <laughs> off the top of my head. There's very clearly, um, and there's many more idols in the world. People make idols of money. You know, people make idols of status, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so don't think that we're, like, somehow unaware of those also. But these are some that people are just f pretending don't exist. Yeah. Your own hand, your ability to control your life, that's the idol that supports abortion. Yep. Um, there's the idol that absolutely worships anything natural, pantheistic idols to yep. believe that uh, nature is extremely the utmost holy. And don't get me wrong. I think that we should take care of God's creation. Yeah. But there's a different level whenever you start putting such things as nature ahead of the image of God. Yeah. And then beyond that also, there's the gods of race. Yeah. Whenever things have to be absolutely as diverse as possible or anything yep. like that, where you have to force decisions to be made on the basis of race rather than just allow for equal opportunity, that's because there's a God problem. Yep, there is a God problem. And it happens in the church too. I've heard people come along and say, we can't 
fully worship unless we have a diverse congregation. I've heard people say that. And whenever I hear this, and here's another prediction out there that will ensure this is my vow of poverty, um, we will see fracture, not just like we see in the Methodist church, but it'll come to us here in the Nazarene church before we have leaders who will step up and say no to stuff like this. Because when people get there and say, we can't fully worship unless we have a diverse thing, what you have just told us is that you're worshiping the diversity. You're worshiping the skin color. You're worshiping what people look like. The New Testament tells us that there's neither male nor female, slave nor free, Greek or Jew, because we're all one in Christ Jesus. That mentality of the New Testament doesn't care what people look like. It doesn't matter if they're all the same. They look all entirely different. It doesn't matter if they, they come in looking totally weird or crazy, or they come in all matching and almost looking cultish with uniforms on it doesn't matter because it's not about that it's about what we do when we approach god well it's one thing to be uh inclusive per se but the way a lot of these things go is not just inclusive but necessarily inclusive it becomes the object instead of it being something which happens on a lower level and again when there's times where people are being excluded for reasons that need to be addressed like we're saying we don't like you you can't come here you know that's obviously a sin problem and you got to deal with it but this lie that suddenly there's everywhere there's there's people who are you know they have these exclusive churches no that 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 is not the America we live in day, this day and age the the big sins going on around now are people who worship it they they thought that they would destroy racism by worshiping the races and guess what you you did the same thing the emperor came to you and again the great Sith Lord looked at you and said if you strike me down you will become me and what do they do they say yeah I'm gonna strike you down they become it they're doing the same thing that they thought that they were fighting against. And it's really, really, really sad. But good things have happened. Um, got a couple more scriptures I want us to, to close with as we wrap all of this up. We do live in the day and age of the show. And don't take too much in the world so serious that it takes the joy from your life. Christ wants us to have the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And Jesus came to us and in Matthew 11, verses 16 through 17, he says, what am I to say to this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace calling out to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. Now that comes in a context where he's talking a bit about John the Baptist and how the generation around him won't take yes for an answer. Sort of like in our day and age, bowing down to this culture will not appease it. They will only become monsters. When Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, when you hear the sound of the orchestra, if you bow down, all is good and well, or else I'll throw you in the furnace. What he means is, you will do exactly what I say. I will be your God, or else you're going to go in the furnace. You, if you bow down to him, he's not going to be happy. And you can't bow down to him and bow down to God at the same time. You just can't. He's not going to be happy with you saying, we're not going to bow down, um, but because of community, if we'll watch someone else bow down, it'll be okay. Nebuchadnezzar's not going to be cool with that. We live in a day and age where the spirit of the age, it comes, it plays the flute. It comes into the churches to play the flute. It plays its song of wailing and lamentation. And it wants us to bow down and mourn. It wants us to dance when it plays the flute. People like Michelle Williams, they're out there playing the flute, they're wailing, and they want us to mourn and dance with them. Do not, do not, do not. Jesus did not mourn and dance with them as they wanted. He came and he suffered and died for them so that they could have salvation. 
And we too, we should pray for these people and we should pray for, of course, ourselves too. We should always be looking to be sanctified. None of us are better than anyone else. We all need a redeemer and Christ is coming to redeem and sanctify all of us. And that is a wonderful thing that brings us hope. I want to end with reading a bit out of Revelation chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. This is to the church there in Smyrna. And he is coming to, or no, this is to the church in, in Ephesus. I'm getting all my churches um, thrown, thrown a bit about. But he comes to them and he's talking with them really about what it means to be Christians. They've lost their first love. And they've been told to repent, but he comes to them in the end and says, This is to your credit. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has an ear listen to the Spirit, that is, saying this to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. Christ wants us to conquer. He does not want us to sit by and be beat by a club that is coming to establish a religion. Now, that doesn't mean we go out and we, we be activists and things like that. You don't beat the emperor by becoming the emperor. Um, you beat these things by living out righteous lives. You start with your own life. Don't wait on your pastor. If you are a pastor, don't wait on someone above you. Don't wait on a letter from the general superintendents. And I'm not here to beat up on our, our leaders in the church. I actually think we've got really good leaders in the church. Um, I wish they would stand up more to the spirit of the age than they do. But by and large, so many people don't know how to. But don't wait on anybody above you. Um, don't wait on your pastor, your Sunday school teacher. You yourself need to be a conqueror for Christ. Fortify your life. Look to spread the good news. Look for that joy unspeakable and full of glory that Christ brings for us. God is bigger than all of this, and we should have joy. Just as that epistle of John reminds us, God is bigger than all of these things. He's bigger than the spirit of this age. He's bigger than the spirit of the Antichrist. So why in the world should you fret? It used to bother me, but the more I think about it now, I have great joy. Anthony, any final thoughts now that we have wrapped up our vow of poverty for today where no one will ever employ us? Be careful about uh, who the God is that you serve. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the God of the church, the God that spoke creation into existence, is a powerful God. With that, thank you for joining us. We are Kingdom of the Logos. You can donate monetarily at patreon.com. So that's Kingdom of the Logos. With that, God love you and have a blessed day.